Welcome. I'm Dr. West. I'm senior minister here at Rafa, and I think you'll be delighted that you've chosen this uh, this particular teaching on Jesus, the God-Man, a paradox. Jesus, the God-Man, a paradox. Now, paradox, contradiction statement that in spite of perception just might be true. Jesus, the God-Man. Truly, if there's ever been a paradox, this is it. He was truly an historic person that we can prove, that can be proven. His exact coming of, uh, to earth in this form was predicted by the uh, prophets 600 years before uh, the circumstances. And in John chapter 1, instead of reading the uh, King James, I want to read the Greek rendering of this. In the beginning, preceding the word, this divine expression was with God, and this divine expression was God. And this divine expression came into being as a body, as opposed to a soul or spirit, having a human nature with its frailties, physical, and passions. And we beheld by careful contemplation, personally, his perceived honor, the only one that can be perceived as having the same glory of Father God, full of grace and truth. And again in Matthew 1, I'm going to give you the Greek rendering instead of the King James Version of it. The birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When, as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they had sexual intercourse, she was perceived to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And again, in Hebrews 10, verse 5, the Greek uh, rendering of that would be, When he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body free from successful danger, being of being murdered, and free from the law of decay, this is the body prepared me, complete for the task to which I have been assigned. In the Greek rending also, it goes on to say, he went down to Nazareth and was subject unto them. Now, a little history here is good to know that Nazareth in the first century, it was, a, it was not that sleepy little wonderful town that you perceive, but it was a town full of Roman-hating zealots. It was a town of mixed Gentile immigrants, and when you have a, a great multitude of mixed personalities and heritages, you're going to have a receipt, uh, recipe rather for problems and situations. And that's why when the disciples were the, being sought to come to Jesus, one of those said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? He was subject unto them, it says. He, in other words, he assumed a submissive position. He didn't have to, but God said it so he would assume a subordinate position. When Jesus was a child, he would have been uh, expected to start learning a trade as soon as he would, uh, as most children, be able to receive instructions. He earned, personally earned a good reputation among the community, and he learned the Torah. And it says, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Jesus, as a young workman, would have traveled to the city of Megiddo, which later would play and will play greatly in the history of events in the end time. 
uh, Megiddo was uh, about eight miles or so uh, away from uh, southeast of uh, Nazareth, and he would have gone there to be a construction uh, person to build. In Megiddo, it was on the main trade routes from Egypt to Assyria and on up to the north and northeast. It would he there he would have been exposed to a variety of caravan merchants, and when you do that, you're going to be involved in all types of situations. He was involved in rebuilding the city uh, with wood and stone because a, a uh, carpenter worked in wood and he also worked in stone, and, and Megiddo would have been both of those. And there also he would have been exposed, been exposed to crooks and liars and foul language and prostitution and thieves, just a multitude of all kind of wickedness. Uh, and he would observe that. Of course, he never participated in that because he had a good reputation as doing a quality work for a quality pay. He had to learn to conduct business in Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek, and Latin. So he would have been multilingual competent uh, in his everyday work ability. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 through 9, it says this, In the days of his flesh, when he would, had offered up prayers and supplications with strong cryings and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard that he feared. Here we're seeing some of the frailties of the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 2, verse uh, 42, it says this, When he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. They would have been, uh, this would have been his bar mitzvah time. His bar mitzvah time that carries on into the, to the Jewish growing period even to today. And at this time, uh, when you when you went a boy went through the bar mitzvah, a girl would have a bath mitzvah, but a boy would have a bar mitzvah. Then he was accountable for his own actions. He had to know Jewish rituals, laws, traditions, ethics, and be ready to prepare and prepared to uh, to participate in community affairs and uh, and situations. Now here is a very important part. This is when. It was revealed by the Holy Spirit to him that he was God Almighty in human flesh. This is when it was revealed to him about that. So then Luke chapter 2 verse 46 through 39 says this, And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple. His mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt this way with us? He said unto them, mother, his mother and Joseph was there, how is it that she sought me? Knew ye not that I must be about my father's business? So that would be an information piece to Joseph and Mary that he was considering his heavenly father's business, not his earthly stepfather's business. The 17 years following this time from 12 until he was 30 years old are, are relatively silent. We, we do have some insight, though, because in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, and again, I'm going to give you the Greek rendering uh, instead of the uh, K 
King James 16, verse 11, depiction on this. Jesus progressed in a steady, incremental maturing in worldly intelligence and spiritually. This is said to uh, be coming of age in divine influence upon his heart. That was what it was influencing his heart and its reflection in his life with God and man. This is when his, the, the scriptures start doing this period of time. He was growing steadily and incrementally, not just spurts, but all the time growing in maturity and maturing. In Bible numerics 17, which is the years between the 13 and the, uh, the 30, in Bible numerics, that, that indicates a type of a time of service as, as uh, Joseph was, was tending the uh, flocks of his father. On the, on the hills there. And there was also the price value for evidence when someone wanted to uh, prove their ownership for a possession. They would go through a position uh, of uh, qualifying for that, and they would pay 17 shekels for that in that, uh, in that time frame. In Matthew 13, quote, when he was come unto his own country, he taught them in their synagogue. And isn't it interesting? It was their synagogue, not, not his synagogue, their synagogue, but he taught them there. And in Luke 4, it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is when he was teaching them in the synagogue. He was making this statement, the spirit, now that would be the Holy Spirit. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to heal, to preach deliverance. This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And of course, we remember that this is what set anger with them because in Matthew chapter 13, the Greek rendering of this gives us some further in-depth in uh, understanding. And it says, uh, Matthew 13 in the Greek, and they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty, powerful functions that point to new and higher forces that have entered and are working? This is what they were saying among themselves. And that's what the original brings out that the King James of the 1611 or the later transition, uh, transitional uh, ministries don't give you that. In Matthew chapter 1, it says, they were saying this, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother and called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Whence hath this man these things? And they were offended in him. And the Greek rendering uh, definition of that word offended is, is very interesting. It, it, uh, it gives, it says, he has set a trap for his, baited the trap for us, and we have fallen into it. That was what that offended. They were offended to him. That's exactly what they were thinking. He set a trap for us as with bait, and we have fallen into that. In John chapter 1, verse 11 and 12 says this, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And inserted is this, is this thought that uh, we are still, the church is not, even in this 21st century, is not receiving him. We see that the church is not receiving him, because in Psalms 150, which goes back 
3,000 years, in Psalm 150, it says this, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth, and a two-edged sword in their hand, to, and he gives on the reason for this, to bind their rulers with constraints, to execute upon them judgments written, this honor hath all his saints. So what I've just read into your understanding hath all his saints. Those people who have been redeemed or who were going to be redeemed were redeemed during the incarnation, have been redeemed since, and will be uh, redeemed until the rapture of the church. And let me give you a personal piece of insight. I look back in my own rendering, my long ministry history, and even before I became a professional ministry, I have never witnessed this Psalm 150 operational or even witnessed to the scriptures applied except by saints that have sought and received the baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in unknown unlearned tongues. I have never in all of my Christian witness and history ever perceived that scripture in Psalm 150 be applied and operated and and utilized by anyone except those who have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all of the others from that uh, 3,000 years before until now have missed God. There are four vehicles that God has provided as a pathway to his presence from one foundation source. In John 14, 6, Jesus is quoted saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's a very clear, definitive, definite statement. And the uh, the four ways that he's provided of course, the foundation of Jesus, they were the altar in the early old covenant, the tabernacle in the wilderness, the, the temple in the new covenant time, and the church of the present time until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to rapture his church out. The stations in the wilderness, tabernacle, and in the new temple give evidence of, of how God was functioning in, in the earthly incarnation at the altar of sacrifice in, in the, uh, in the uh, tabernacle and in the temple, at the altar of sacrifice in the outer court, he became the sacrifice of God, the living sacrifice. The next station would have been the laver. And there Jesus uses this. He says, wash by the washing of the water of the word, you're clean and grow. He became the candlestick inside the holy place. And he says, he's the light in, in the dark world the showbread that's in the holy place. He says, I am the bread of life and the table of incense. He is our intercessor offering up prayers of intercession before the veil. And then in the mercy saying inside the holy of holies, it says in all things, he had to be made uh, like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, We have not an high priest which cannot be sympathetic with our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. I've just given you the Greek transliteration from the first century. 
Jesus became God's living sacrifice in his uh, in the flesh in, in in the incarnation. When he got cut and and bled, maybe nicked himself or was cut by a saw or something. When his daily job, this is likened to when the priest would take the sacrifice at the altar and start to present that to the offer. He would take part of that and he would pour part of that out as an offering on the ground. So Jesus's blood when it was shed, would be shed upon the ground, and that is a, in a type of, uh, of a precursor to when the priest would pour out part of the, of the sacrifice's blood at the foot of the, uh, of the altar of sacrifice, a burning offer at the outside the, uh, at the, outside the gate. And when he was tired or weary, he could say, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He could also say, when you are left alone, you could, this could be by desertion. It could be by the loss of a mate. It could be so many times when we feel that there's nobody there for us. He says all disciples forsook him and fled. So he can empathize with that. And that the ultimate is that feeling and uh, is when he said on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Tarko, tarko, many uh, sacrifice in the uh, in the covenant wording jesus in his incarnation experienced for the first time and the last time being uh divinely shielded from the presence of his god the father he bowed his head and said it is finished he had completed the work that he had been assigned by the father to accomplish in his incarnation and then he would have picked up in his, uh, in his resurrection what he had laid down in his incarnation. Jesus completed the task which he was sent to accomplish. He had finished his course. He has run his race. And uh, Paul addresses this in the wording of, the, of his books. Jesus went on to say, The works that I do shall ye do also because I go to my Father. This is mine and your service command. And if we don't fulfill this, we're going to miss uh, a divine opportunity that will be gone forever when we go to be with the Lord and reveal what we have missed. We will cry bitter tears. Those who haven't done that will cry bitter tears. And I'm as a Christian, I'm confessing that I will finish my course. I will run my race. And when I get to in the presence of God at his beam of seat, I will not be ashamed. And he can say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. You accomplished the task that I set before you. And I, my testimony is that I try every day fulfilling this commission. The works that I do shall ye do also. I put my name in there because he went to his father. The church's commission command is go ye. And the Greek says, as you are going, that means you don't wait till some call of the foreign land. You start right where you are today going. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues and they shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. I'm glad you chose this teaching. I believe it's going to give you some additional insights into the Word of God that you haven't heard before and when you've looked into this teaching. Until next time, this is Dr. West praying that God will bless you richly.